Welcome back to the Injury Prone Fantasy Football Podcast. Today we have a, a very special guest, a I would say a high stakes guest. Um, I would say a a very high stakes guest. She is, you know, a high stakes fantasy football player for the last fifteen years. She is an inaugural member of the National Fantasy Football Championship Hall of Fame. She's won the Fantasy Football Players Championship, Bare Knuckles League. Uh, she's a, let's see, just a ton of credentials. I mean, $3,000 varsity league, $1,250 draft experts league, um, WCO FF's invitational first person to win five individual main event league championships. She has career earnings over $250,000. Hopefully she can throw some of that my way for some student loan debt relief and has appeared on ESPN radio, Sirius XM, KABC news and 60 minutes sports. She is the co-owner of the um, formerly of the fantasy freaking football site and podcast, which is, I chuckle every time I see it. She's now living in Los Angeles, California, um, a little bit south of me. Uh, she has a day job for the last 25 years working for none other than Quentin Tarantino. Of course, I'm talking about at Red Rider on Twitter, Jules McLean. Is it okay if I call you Jules? Absolutely. How are you doing tonight? It's a hot one. I'm in Los Angeles, hot and muggy. Oh man, brutal, isn't it? Yeah, where are you at? So I'm up in Sacramento, the Sacramento area. So I probably don't have it as muggy as you do. It's a little more dry. Okay. How long have you lived? You lived in, so you lived in LA the last 25 years then, right? I can assume. Yeah, I was pretty much born and raised in Los Angeles. A brief stint in Salt Lake City. Um, I was basically raised by my grandparents and they wanted to go to Salt Lake City to be near family for a couple years and and thankfully, that only lasted a couple years. <laughs> <laughs> what is there to do in Salt Lake City? You go to any jazz games or anything like that? I mean, no, I mean, the jazz weren't even around. When I was a teenager then. I mean, I hate to date myself, but they're really what the movies that's pretty much school the and movies. movies is what I did. Oh, nobody's going to the movies nowadays either, huh? No, at least you shouldn't be. You at least shouldn't be. No, so. I wanted to talk a lot about some what high what it means to be high stakes before, before we get into anything. Um, Anywhere else we can find you? Did I miss anything? No, you're good. I mean, um, I, I mean, obviously the fantasy, you're a fantasy point analyst fantasy now, points, right? I, I did miss that. that part. Buried the lead on that one. Yes. Jules is, is the high stakes expert over at fantasypoints.com where we both um, are present. I did miss that. Jeez, I'm the worst, aren't I? No, no, you're the best actually. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Jules is, Jules is a bit of an expert um, when it comes to this high stakes stuff. So I really wanted to also talk about you know, what started you down the road of fantasy sports in general? Maybe what started, you know, what's it, what was your experience like as a woman in sports media? Because obviously it's going to be much different than the experience that I'm, that I have and my colleagues have, my peers have, um, as dudes, um, in this, I mean, let's be honest, it's a sausage fest around here. So I was curious (laughs) what that, what the experience has been like for you, how you started down, um, the fantasy football, you know, just life in general and how it became into high stakes. Well, I was always, sporty growing up you know I played uh varsity basketball and varsity softball I played golf I just I really liked the outdoors and athletics so there was that component um built in with that is 
pretty darn competitive. So I just kind of fell into uh, fantasy baseball back in the day when you would have to like mail in your lineups and stuff. It was just kind of nuts back then. And I love baseball, big Dodgers fan. And then I started doing fantasy basketball and I was working at MTV networks at the time. And I got a league going for fantasy basketball. Cause that was my favorite. And then uh, football season rolled around. And one of the guys is like, we really need somebody dropped out. We really need somebody to fill in. Can you, can you do it? And I go, Oh no, I, I go, I don't even watch football anymore. I did growing up as a kid, but I had stopped. And they're like, no, 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 please, please, please. I promise you if, you play fantasy football, you won't want to play any other fantasy sport. And I'll be dang if he wasn't right. And I still play in that league to this day. So, <laughs> Have you won it? Uh, I came in third my very first um, my very, very first year, and that really kind of hooked me. That was the year that uh, Kurt Warner came into the league, and, and I picked him up as a free agent, and, oh, and that was that. Nuts. So That's yeah, nuts. Loved it. You love hearing those stories about – Oh yeah, you know it was a year everybody was down on. Well, nobody. I was gonna see. I was gonna use Peyton Manning. Nobody ever really was down on Peyton Manning, but you know, you, I was down on X Y Z player, and you know, then I won my fantasy league. Um, I know that, that happened a lot with Le'Veon Bell specifically a few years ago. So that's always funny to hear that. So, so then you 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 were good at it, right? And then you started playing it. And when did you did you flip the switch and sort of become an analyst? Well, uh, one of my uh, college friends, Garrett Matheny, was doing a podcast, and I kind of invited myself onto the podcast and kind of morphed from there. It was fantasy freaking football. So um, yeah, we started down down that track. And this is back in the day where you didn't have like you, all this equipment now or just like even like the internet where you can, I mean, we're doing our podcast over the internet, which is hard for me to wrap my head around because I'd always lug out all my equipment and, and everything. And, and me and Garrett had to be in the same room and things have, have so changed, but the, the, the fantasy freaking podcast certainly sent me down that route. And then we got a website and we started putting out draft kits and stuff and, we just had a very loyal and intense following. I mean, at one point, our podcast was ranked like number three on on iTunes. I mean, right up there with the big boys like Yahoo and CBS Sportsline. So that's that's kind of what started me. And then you walked away. I well, yes, I actually uh, I didn't walk away from playing fantasy football, but I walked away from um, we retired. I hate to say the word walked away. You know what, Edwin? Life gets in the way. Um, Garrett got married, had a young child. I had to take on, um, extra responsibilities at my job. And it was just, you know, you can't burn the candle at both ends and, and survive as a human being for very long. So something had to give. And unfortunately it was fantasy freaking football. God, fantasy freaking football. Exactly. I know. Isn't that a great name? It really is. It's so funny and clever and straightforward. And it just, you're not, you don't forget it either. That's, that was, that was copyrighted people. You aren't going (laughs) to, you aren't going to get it even though we're retired. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I totally understand having to walk away from some things. I'm learning that the hard way Um, as a student, right? So I was recently a student. I just graduated in May. It was, it was easy for me to, to, just write stuff in between classes and I'll be honest during classes and I I promise I still passed. I didn't fail. I didn't miss out on the big lecture where they taught us not to kill anybody. Um, I, 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 it was easier to give analysis and now 
it's funny that I that I graduated and I'm you know doing the full time job thing and having a career and also doing this where I'm like, man, I really wish that I could do more of what I do. So I totally understand that getting in the way. And you mentioned your day job. I think the listeners and I mean, I, I don't care if the listeners are interested or not. I kind of want to know what what does your day job entail, if you don't mind talking about that? Yeah, well, back then when I had to retire from Fantasy Freak and Football, it was I was Quentin's personal assistant, and then he had bought a uh, repertory theater where we show mostly older movies, the New Beverly Cinema, and I was also running that. So it was like two jobs. I, I mean, my work weeks were 80 hours, and that is no joke. So, um, you know, and when his person, you were a personal assistant for somebody, you're on call 24 seven, not that he needed me at two o'clock in the morning all that often, but you know, there were times and, um, yeah, you just do a little bit of everything. So, but it was, it was hard. I'm glad I'm now just kind of running the new Beverly cinema. We're closed, unfortunately, right now because of the COVID-19 and also run his archives. We have about four or five warehouses, just chock full of goodies. That's so cool. That's such a cool job. Um, yeah, that's absolutely something that I, I would be interested in learning more about about you. That's so cool. So how do you how do you end up maybe meet was it meeting John Hansen or or even we can bet take another step um, backwards maybe. How did you become a high stakes specialist? Because I feel like Jules, I do not have the intestinal fortitude or the confidence in myself um, to and maybe because I'm obviously not as good as you at this to be a high stakes player and maybe define what high stakes player uh, is for the league, for the listeners, please. I mean, I always thought of high stakes as if you're plopping down a thousand dollars or more, maybe seven fifty or more on a league. I mean, when I came in, it was the world championship of fantasy football was the only game in town. And I, and I think the buy-in to draft live in Vegas was 1200 bucks, which, you know, when you're a personal assistant, 1200 bucks is a lot. So I, I don't plop money down easily, so I had to have a little bit of confidence I was going to make some of that money back. Um, but right. I, you know, nowadays though, you can dip your toe into the high stakes um, arena for for as little as you know twenty five bucks in, in some of these contests. The NFFC has uh, twenty five dollar best balls. Uh, the FFPC has thirty five dollar best balls and hundred dollar leagues, hundred and fifty. So. You can see if you kind of stack up against the the competition and, and and test it that way. I I just had to test it by going there. So. Oh man, that's what that takes so much confidence, though. Does it not? I mean, is that not like you said you weren't making a ton of money? I mean, no, that's... it wasn't. But you want to get this is even better. It gets better. Um, so I sit down at the WCOFF. It was it was wonderful. It's like you know eight hundred like minded lunatics about fantasy football. And I, had, I, I did some scouting, you know, who my league mates are. I always like to try to get an edge and everything. And I, and I realized that I was sitting, I was drafting in one. And, and the two hole was uh, the guy that came in second overall, James Body Count Jules. And with a name like Body Count, very intimidating. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God, he's going to just get me every time. But I don't care. Um, I'm just going to give it my best. And he, hey, he turned out to be one of the nicest guys in the world. Very, very gentle. I still don't know how he got the name Body Count. Um, and we remained friends for all these years. But I, everybody, everybody was taking Priest Holmes number one that year. Everybody. 
And uh, James uh, said, hey, why don't you give me a little preview? Why don't you tell me who you're going to take at number one? And I just looked at him and, and, and I knew I was going to take Ladanian Tomlinson. So I just said, you know what? I'm going to make you a holy man. Just referring to that, you're going to get priest. And I took Ladanian Tomlinson. <laughs> and honestly, I, I ran away with the league. It was the, the year, I think it was 2006 when LT went off for like 28 TDs or something like that. It, it was just like, it was I a like massacre. To, that's nuts. <laughs> I like to, by the way, I like to think of Ladanian Tomlinson as like, the the patron saint of fantasy football i feel like he was the i feel like he was one i mean him and priest holmes obviously he was one of the first guys that just like broke the game right when i think of somebody and those were that was even before i was playing but just looking at his numbers like even in those specifically for those that time period i mean he broke the game right i mean you you like you said you ran away with the league i ran away with the league Ladanian Tomlinson is one of the reasons why the NFFC put in that ridiculous third round reversal, which I hate, which, you know, you go (laughs) one and two, and then instead of, you know, team one getting the first pick in the third round goes all the way back to team 12. Well, there really hasn't been an an LT like person, you know, McCaffrey came a little close last year, but I, I just don't think there's any need for three round third round reversal anymore. That's my soapbox. I'm Tell going to come back Joel. to it later in the podcast too. You're enraged. I, I hear it in your voice. You're so enraged. God, calm down, please. Please be more polite on the podcast. I'm joking. Uh, I'm a redhead, <laughs> so look out. You know, we got to <laughs> That's right. At Red Rider on Twitter. Don't 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 miss out on that. You got to give her a follow. So so that's so then you did, I mean you had this major confidence, obviously, to be a high stakes player. Do you still consider yourself, you know, I mean, obviously you're the high stakes specialist at fantasypoints.com. Um, but what, what, how do you define now as a high stakes league? Do you still, do you still define it as like 750 and above? I, I do. Yeah. I mean, I still play in the leagues that, you know, of course the buy-ins have gone up like $1,500 and stuff. You know, I used to do like the NFFC diamond leagues where, you know, you throw down $10,000, but I, I had to back. I know I never won any of those. I never got my money back. So I just said, you know, enough of that. That was, um, that was a bad financial, uh, decision to play. In those. Were you, do, so when best balls came around, were you like, man, that's like the, were you like, that's like the opposite of what I do. You know, best ball, no, you know, automatic lineup or you actually, love best ball. I love best ball. They're actually the second high stakes league I played in. Like uh, I went with my uh, uh, the co-owner of Fantasy Freaking Football, Garrett Matheny. We bought a NFFC high stakes league and drove out to, to Vegas one weekend and drafted it. And I mean, we came in second and we only drafted one quarterback that year. It was just like, nice. I, I was hooked. Best ball is actually my favorite format because it really um, – it's geared toward uh, depth, and I'm and I'm good at identifying uh, like really kind of deep sleepers and stuff. So it just fits my game. Awesome. Who was the quarterback that year? Do you remember? Um, well, I know who got hurt. I can't remember who we had. The, I, I know Michael Vick got hurt. I remember at one point in the draft, we'd only had Michael Vick. We had never done a best ball. We didn't do our homework very well. And we were really surprised. <laughs> you came in second. And we came in second. <laughs> Um, everybody, everybody was like, so, you know, we were surprised at how quickly the quarterbacks flew off the, the board. So we had gotten Michael Vick. And then at one point, all the starters were gone. And, and Garrett's like, oh, OK, it's your job to find us some um, scrub quarterbacks. And it was like I said, OK, I'm on it. I'm on it. And I 
made sure we got Matt Schaub to back up Mike Vick. He came into play and we had Byron Leftwich who um, took over what? for Jacksonville. And I'm like, oh, yes. So that totally helped us. And yeah, man. And nobody liked our team after the draft either. Because it's funny, like all these people knew each other and me and Garrett didn't know each other. So we just kind of hung back. And, you know, when they had the big boards up and the stickers and stuff and people right. were like, oh, yeah, that team, they suck, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, that's right. You go ahead and <laughs> underestimate us. <laughs> go there you ahead. go. Absolutely. What, how does this, and I'm genuinely curious, how does the strategy differ? Because when I look at a high stakes league, I think to myself, hmm, putting down that much money, I really do want a balance, a fine line between, a fine balance between conserv- you know, drafting conservatively and swinging for the fences. I imagine that you probably do a lot more swinging than the fence for the fences and I would be comfortable with, but how do you, you know, how does the strategy differ besides just like a home league, you know, like buying is a case of beer. Yeah. I wish I could say it, it, it differs. It doesn't like, I want to beat down my local league that I played in, you know, for 20 plus years <laughs> and the buy-in isn't, I'm gonna the buy, you know, I, I haven't won since I went back to back like 15 years ago. So these guys in my local league are good. But it doesn't matter. It could be, honestly, it could be a $50 league. It could be a $25 league. And I just, my guys are my guys. And it just, my draft strategy is the same. Like when I won the FFPC Varsity League, I think it was a two or $3,000 buy-in and, and the first place was $20,000. I went like four straight wide receivers and I just oh, knew that I know this was like when Antonio Brown was in his heyday. And this is a year that Devontae Freeman kind of emerged and went off. But I, I, I kind of just sensed that that was going to happen. So I knew I could just keep going, throwing wide receiver, you know, pushing the pedal there and mm-hmm. pick up some some running backs at the back end. So, I mean, it worked out, uh, but normally like a little bit more balance. So have you experienced being badass at fantasy football in a space where, like I said, it's a sausage fest. Is it different for, I mean, how does it differ for, I can't, I shouldn't say, is it different? It's obviously different, but have you, what's your experience been like as a woman in a male dominated industry? It's, it's interesting because, um, you get underestimated a lot. Um, I still do if they don't know my background. Um, um, but it's interesting. I remember my first um, high stakes. I mean, WCOFF. I mean, the guys quickly realized I could draft the NFFC. You know, the first time I won a main event there, like guys were coming up after me and afterwards and said, "Like, I really like what you're doing." I I think what it, I I think men don't get so underestimated when they sit down at the table, but but women do until you have to prove in until you prove yourself. And, and, and when I gotta be honest as a female, that's, that's, that's just the way of the world. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter. You can be corporate or whatever. Like you have to prove yourself. It's just, that's just the way it is. So at least that it has been in, in, in my, in my uh, experience. No, right. Absolutely. Which I think speaks to the larger point that it's so frustrating to me. I have these conversations with my wife. Um, so she informs me on, what it's like, you know, for her and what her experience is. And she gets the, so she's a pharmacist, right? And then you, you brought up a good point about 
um, you know, women are either underestimated or, you know, a lot of presumptions are made about women. And so my wife is a pharmacist and she's walked around the hospital before and she doesn't wear her white coat because she's like, I just don't want to do that. And she's been, you know, confused, not that there's anything wrong with the profession of nursing, right? But she's been confused several times as a nurse. And it's so frustrating when she tells me that happened. I'm like, dude, that happened to you again. It's like, why does that happen to you? And it's because women are, you know, I feel like men in general, um, and I'm sure I've been guilty of this. I, I know I've been guilty of this. We've, we place women in this box in our head of what they, you know, what we have these preconceived notions of what a woman is or what, how a woman should act or whatever, even based on like professions that I think is just complete bullshit. Um, I mean, I'm sure that it's actually, I mean, tell me, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm sure that it's worked to your advantage when maybe somebody didn't think you were going to take, you know, that player at a turn, or maybe they underestimated you a little too much. Absolutely. No, that was what was great when I was first getting into high stakes and stuff, underestimated left and right. So I just, then I could. And then you take home the grand prize and there's no underestimating after that. I wish I took home the grand prize, but I'll take home the league prizes left and right. (laughs) I've yet to bag the big contest overall. I mean, I'd say that you're doing pretty well for yourself, though. I'm. I have. I should have no complaints. But one one year, I'd like to win an overall prize. I'll just say that much. I'm sure it'll happen for you. I'm sure it'll happen for you. Mm-hmm. So then, sort of shifting gears, because we did talk about what it's like to, um, or the differences in strategies, which you said there aren't very many differences in strategies for, for me. High no. stakes, right? Right. Not for you, at least. So, what is your general fantasy football philosophy then? Because everybody sort of has a philosophy, right? Um, how they draft, how they tend to draft, even if they don't, you know, intend to do so. What is your general philosophy in fantasy football? I tend to look for value, upside, and I like to have a balanced roster when I'm drafting. Like very rare. I mean, there was that one year I just knew I, I loved the wide receivers so much that I could go ahead and just go wide receiver heavy and a little light on running backs. But typically I like to I like to have a balanced roster and I like, I like younger players. I like the upside and um, I just, I, I like getting value. So if somebody's, I, I, someone said to me, I, okay. So when I was thinking about doing high stakes, I asked my, my friend and co-owner of fantasy freaking football, Garrett, who had done high stakes for several years. I go, do you think, do you think I have what it takes? And he said, yes. Because you're like me, and we just see things differently. So I feel like I see things differently, and I can just identify value. Like it just, it, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Like when I'm looking at the cheat sheets or I'm looking at a draft board and stuff, I'm like, oh, this, it's, it's just pretty much clear as day who I should pick. Now, that's not always the case. I did this stupid live stream with John Hansen for $150 best ball. And I just, you know, as John says, we got our ass handed to us. And that's exactly what happened. So I couldn't identify value if it like hit me on top of the head with the frying pan that night. So sometimes you just have it, don't have it. And sometimes you do. But and I, I, all I can say is that I trust my instincts and I just see things differently. It sounds like you're one of those people who just... uh you're just, you're probably good at a lot of things. And you strike me as a person who was like that person who didn't ever really like for basketball, you didn't really have to put in that much effort to be really good at something. Um, my wife's this way to where she's just like really smart. Um, and she just knows a lot of things, 
But then you talk to her for like a test, for example, like we, we, we took a few college courses together and she wouldn't study at all. And I'd like study my ass off. She'd, she'd get an A, I'd get a B. You strike me as a person who's just instinctual and really, just really smart naturally. Does that, do you tend to agree with that statement? I, 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 I do agree with that statement. I like that statement, actually. I've never thought about it like that and nobody's ever discussed it or described me like that. But I, I actually, I like that. I'm not saying everything's easy, but. No, no, of course not. There's a lot of stuff that's hard or just tedious and I'm like, ugh. I think just being able to naturally be good at something and identify something is, um, I think everybody has that talent to a certain extent in different areas. I am strangely good at writing. I've never taken like anything outside of the normal writing class, but I'm, I'm a decently good writer. I couldn't do a math problem to save my life. I couldn't do it. Um, but I can write really well and I don't know why. And, and it's just one of those things that I've been complimented on before. It's just, it's just really strange. And one of your talents is obviously drafting and finding value with that said in 2020, how does that change because of, you know, COVID and because of all of the unknown and all the question marks flying around, does your, does your strategy, is it different this year than it is any other year? Well, I mean, in the summer when I was drafting, I mean, I guess we're still in the summer, but I, in, in you know, June and July and May, I, I didn't change, but um, just towards the end of July, the, the writing was really on the wall and I, I changed, a, I changed a lot. I'm backing up wide receivers now in best balls. It's, you know, and it's it's hard to plan for the coronavirus because it's so easy to get. Um, you know, you just you don't know. You think like Matt Ryan is not going to get hurt, but then he could go down to COVID and you're screwed. So it's just it's challenging. I like to do more best balls than uh, normal redraft leagues. Like I've, I've bowed out right. of several of my local leagues because they wouldn't change the rules and then you know i just what do you I think recommend it's hard to be in a head-to-head league um so i just trying to limit those to some to the to the more main event type things a couple sure. online championships but you just kind of got to you know pick your risk and it's it's a very risky season what happens like if it's a uh, week nine and they call the season and all the you know major uh, contest uh, say, well, if they play at least week week eight, then it's going to be in the books. Well, that's your ending contest like four or five weeks early. It just that sometimes that's right when my guys get going. So it's it's going to be hard. I, I've definitely I like backups, 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 backups. Instead of two quarterbacks, I'll draft three. Usually I'll have two kickers now. It's just, you just got to, I think you have to change. I know plenty of players out there that say, nope, we're just going to roll how it is. And that's it. I'm not comfortable with that. No, I wouldn't be either. What do you recommend for commissioners, for people who are in charge of these leagues? I think it's important to go to team kickers. I think it's important to have IR spots. Uh, if you have IR spots, you need to expand them. I mean, baseball is a poop show in regards to fantasy with all these postponed games. Yep. Guys going out to get a hoagie sandwich or something. And it's like, <laughs> what are you doing? You know, a hoagie you sandwich. You got the drip top for the NBA player. I'm like, oh, really? 
Oh you make so God. much money. Oh you can't God. send somebody out to get your chicken wings. Oh no. Yeah, that was a this is an interesting situation. Interesting times we're in. Um, and it's interesting to me that they. I mean, it's it's probably impossible. You can't have an NFL bubble necessarily. There are too many people involved. There are too many moving yeah. pieces to an NFL season. If you're going to have the season, there are too many moving parts to put it in a bubble. So. Yeah, I've been saying to people, unlimited IR spots, because the NFL has now unlimited IR spots, don't, necess- don't necessarily designate those IR spots for COVID specifically, because we might not know. Bill Belichick's going to write down forehead, uh, and then you'll ask him why, why, this, why player X is on the injury report with forehead, and he'll say, oh, well, it's ears, nose, and throat, and a sinus infection from COVID, COVID related issues. And you're going to be sitting there going, what in the actual F this is not, this player should not be listed with earlobe. This doesn't make sense, Belichick, but that's just what he does. So you won't ever know, right? You might not know why a player is on the IR. So don't be rigid. And I think just be flexible. Listen to your league. Um, I'm not a fantasy football purist. I think when it comes to things like what you do, like the higher stakes stuff, you should have maybe like, you should stick to a set regimen and and go with that and maybe at least have a, a little bit of a um of more structure but if you're in more laid back leagues don't be a jerk just just expand the benches give more more ir spots be flexible understand this this is an unprecedented season don't make it hard on everybody else i don't know that's sort of my thought that's that's the soapbox that i have no i i'm in lockstep with you there um i know head to head so much fun but i think this is the the season to maybe just go to more of a straight rotisserie because it doesn't matter so much you know if you've lost your player week two to covid and he comes back week five well that's great he's back week five and you win your matchup but probably maybe you would have won your matchup anyway so it's right. but you lost week two when you really needed that player so it doesn't yeah. even, it doesn't even out in head to head but in a rotisserie total points league it'd even out absolutely i think that it just needs to be one of those things where you have, you know, a preset or a pre, I don't know, decided upon if the season ends at this point, this is the winner, you know, type situation. Um, because it is, I mean, it's real. I'm going to have, I'm going to have a, I've had Dr. Gene Bramall on and I've discussed a few COVID related issues on the pod before. And I'm, I'm trying to get a hold of an epidemiologist to come on and ask the likelihood of even finishing the season. But I mean, there's a chance that we don't even finish the season. So you heard first from Jules and from me, just just be flexible, guys. The last thing that I did want to get into with you is, or maybe not the last thing, second to last thing, when it comes to what you do specifically, since it is always so high stakes, how do you tend to view injuries? What's the context within you within which you view injuries um, and player injuries in the past or, or trying to project forward? How do you view injuries in general? Um, luckily I'm semi injury riddled. Uh, so I've had a lot of these injuries myself. (laughs) Um, when everybody's like, Oh, all right, Cadillac Williams. Yeah. I'm like, no, he's got a herniated disc and more than likely he has too. He's not going to make it through the season. He was my best of the year one year and it's because of his back or I tore my calf muscle a few years ago and I'm like, Oh no, let me tell you. I was playing softball. And then I tell you, I tore my calf muscle, went to the ortho the next day. They said, yeah, walking boot and everything. 
And then she's all, of course, like, you're so lucky it wasn't the Achilles because it's automatic surgery. And I go, oh, my gosh, thanks, thanks. So wore that for like six to eight weeks and went to physical therapy. And then I was just like having so much trouble in physical therapy with like two of my toes that I had to go back to the orthopedic surgeon and they did an MRI. And it because I tore the calf, they were so concerned with that. We didn't even realize that I had um, uh, uh, done some ligament damage to my toes. So then I was, all, you know, then I was down for like another like eight weeks. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. So you have your own experience with injuries. I do. And then one of my orthopedic surgeons, not the, the, the foot specialist. I love that you have more than one, by the way. I love that, oh, Jules, you have more than one orthopedic well, you know, surgeon. They have a whole office full of people, and they're just like, oh, and I see that. But my main guy um, takes care of, like, the Sacramento Kings and, and everything. So I've been going to him since Peyton Manning had his little uh, – uh, neck problem. And I would just sit there. I would just ask him questions upon questions. And he was so nice and would just answer everything. He'd be like, yep, no, no, oh, no, 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 no. And then another thing too, you just got to ask questions. I sure. remember when I was down in like New Orleans, we were filming, uh, filming Django Unchained and I had to see like one of the doctors or something. And, and um, he happened to be a, uh, affiliated with the New Orleans Saints. I saw like all these pictures of the Saints. And I said, okay, let's talk football. Sat there, talked to me for 20 minutes. Uh, uh, he's all like Marcus Colston. There's no player in the NFL that gets his body um, more ready to play than Marcus Colston did like yoga and massage every day. And I'm like, oh my God, that's fascinating. And I asked him about Mark Ingram because I named Mark Ingram my best of the year that year. And he's all like, you know, I don't know if he'll ever learn how to get ready to play, to be an NFL player. Cause this had been like, like three years and he's just always kind of nicked up and everything. Um, but that kind of always stuck with me. Now, Mark Ingram did learn how to become an NFL player and to manage his injuries and, and to get in shape and be able to stay on field. But I, I always that always stuck with me, too. So I always, you know, I like the guys that I see the workout um, tapes on. I don't like the guys that much that I'm seeing partying and, you know, man, I know they're young, but alcohol wrecks your body at a certain point you know what i'm saying oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i mean it just takes a couple years off their career i it's, that's just my opinion no no, so, no that's right so as far as like looking at injuries and stuff i just i just try to take all the the little tiny knowledge that i've gained over the years and i just try to you know apply it like oh what is does this guy like put in the extra work so he can stay on the field does, can he take the big hit and pop back up i just i like guys like that you know yeah, definitely. The rough and tumble guys. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of guys like that. Um, I think it's important to, um, to understand that injuries. I think the one thing that I wish people understood more is that you are looking, so you look for patterns and you ask questions and you want information and that's, that's great. I think that most people who aren't you, I think they tend to think random that injuries are random. And that's the vibe that I get. And that's, oh my gosh, even though that's so true, that's also so wrong. There's so much advantage to be had when it comes to player injuries and understanding anatomy and, and how, what the statistics say about specific players and their positions. And, you know, are they, does interregional dependency matter with this specific player? You know, is, a, is, does a player's turf toe have to do with their AC joint? You know, if it's James Conner, yeah. maybe. 
does does do do concussions really lead to more ACL tears? Probably not. That'd be interesting to find out, though. I think there are just so many more relationships and correlations that we can be that we can utilize, especially especially when you talk about somebody like you who is dealing with you know a lot of times with a big chunk of change. And there's that edge to be had. And I think that that edge to be had can, can come from injury. So, I mean, I'm not surprised that somebody that does what you do is as curious about injuries and physical health and performance and seeks out that type of information. It doesn't, it doesn't surprise me one bit, to be honest. No. And you, um, dropped some knowledge on me when I was listening. I think it was like either your first or your, your second podcast where you were talking about like, um, ACL tears, and then um, that could lead to arthritis. Am I quoting you somewhat correctly? Like it could be an indicator that that could happen, and that's maybe what was happening uh, to Todd Gurley and stuff? Yeah, so it's so much, it's not so much just ACLs. It's the fact that you are having this intra-articular, so inside the joint issue where you're, you're, you're causing trauma and damage, um, and the body responds in a way that, it believes that it's always in this emergency. We have to take care of this. Yeah. And it leads to, I mean, it's, it's even, it's sort of like a bigger conversation too. Um, we have three phases of healing. The first phase is essentially designed from an evolutionary standpoint to make you stop. It's supposed to cause pain. It's supposed to cause inflammation um, and to heal that area. And what Todd Gurley has is a situation where his body's constantly in that phase. And that's what arthritis is, is your body constantly thinking that you need to heal and it never goes away. And that happens because inside of that joint, you have uh, degraded the cartilage. And then you have a process that further degrades the cartilage. And it's just an awful cycle. So it doesn't necessarily have to be an ACL, but it is um, anytime a player has significant, significant amount of injuries and surgeries, um, which are also trauma, they are at a higher up there at an elevated risk for this arthritis, which is another reason why Sony Michelle is um, somebody that I'm fading in, in 2020. But you got to stop getting me to talk. I get on a soapbox, Jules. You can't get me started talking about this. Stuff. <laughs> I'm so upset. You know, you're putting me in a good mood because I looked at our um, fantasy points dynasty draft before uh, before doing this podcast. Um, I just got so depressed, and I said, "What on earth were you doing drafting Sony Michelle in the tenth round?" I mean, I haven't done that since, but I just got really depressed. But being on the <laughs> podcast has helped me out. And then, oh no, I do because I like I tell you, I'm competitive. Um, <laughs> arthritis, I can't. This orthopedic surgeon I go to, I was having trouble with my thumb, and I go, "Man, my thumb's been hurting." All he did was like squeeze it and poke around a little bit, and he's all arthritis. I'm like, "Really?" He's all, "Yeah," and he's all, you, "Nothing you can do about it. Try to rest it. Don't use your thumb for your, you know, iPhone optimized function." Yep. Yeah, I said, "Okay." So I've I've managed it. It, it acts up you know, here and there, but. And that's the thing when it, when it comes to like general arthritis, it's not like, it's such a, it's a very, very broad term. So like for people like you and I, average Joes, we're not like elite athletes or anything. Right. So we can manage it. And honestly, both of us probably have to some degree, some sort of, you know, damage, quote unquote damage to our knees or our hips or, or our back, but we might not even feel those symptoms. We might, but we might not. The problem with arthritis is once it becomes symptomatic, like you said, like in your thumb, then you can start to, you know, manage it. But I don't want to necessarily scare listeners into, oh my God, I might have arthritis. Well, yeah, you might have it, but you might not ever know it either unless you take a, an image of it. So 
no big deal. But when you're an NFL athlete and you are literally playing against the elite of the elite, most athletic people in the world, you know, every step counts. Uh, your health matters to to the nth degree. So that's what we're really facing when it comes to players like Todd Gurley and Sony Michelle. I'd rather own Todd Gurley than Sony Michelle. I know that much. Oh, me too. Me too. Okay. I mean, that's not saying much, but uh. <laughs> no, I definitely would. I definitely would. They're both very volatile players, but but you okay? So you just said you know a player that you don't want is Sony Michelle. What about a player that you absolutely love? Who's a player you love in twenty twenty? Well, okay. Everybody knows that I love um, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Uh, so yes. I know. I know. But I'll, I'll, I'll give you another running back that both you and I love. I've heard you talk about him and you took him in the dynasty draft and I was rather upset. I like Alexander Madison. Boom. I think he could be a league winner. If Boom. he gets in there, he's a league winner for you. At that, you know, absolutely 10th round draft pick. I, I, I think the world of Dalvin Cook, I've been drafting him every year, but if I'm the Dalvin Cook owner, I'm going to own Madison. I'm all over it. That's why I took him. I love that. So I'm glad we're on the same page there because it makes me feel a little better about the pick too. I absolutely, I, I absolutely agree. And I think he might, hopefully, he might be able to also provide some standalone value. So, Who's another player other than Michelle and Gurley that you hate? David Johnson. <laughs> oh, same, same. I don't understand it. I don't get it. Jules, explain it to me. Why would anybody, why, why? I don't understand. I had just somebody on Twitter just earlier today trying to argue with me that David Johnson's upside is RB1 overall. Oh. What? He'll be lucky if he's a flex play for people. Exactly. I'm not he's fallen off the running back cliff. He, I mean, No. The Houston O-line's horrible, especially they're more built to protect Deshaun Watson than they are to, you know, set up the run. Which isn't saying much because yeah. they don't do a good job. They don't, do, they don't do either. Um, yeah, you know, people just get attached to name value. Same thing with like, you know, guys made me some money over the year, Aaron Rodgers, but it's not the Aaron Rodgers that made me money, but here I, every draft I see him, I just see him overdrafted going over guys like, you know, Baker Mayfield and Ben Roethlisberger, who I love. There's somebody quarterback. I love that's a tremendous value. I think so. Yeah, I agree with that too. All right. Well, those are two. So, so you love Alexander Madison. You hate, you hate, you hate David Johnson. I'm all on board with that. Is there anybody else you want to mention? I love Robert Woods. I think he's a tremendous, I think he's just, I think he's a value. I also think he's one of the better route runners in the entire NFL, but easily the best route runner um, on the Rams. I think they're going to get back to uh, um, a potent offense. Uh, Just a little slightly worried about their O-line, but we'll see how that comes together. And um, I love Hayden Hurst. Boy, howdy. Oh yeah. Explain that one. Well, you know, he made some noise in Baltimore and then Mark Andrews got drafted and emerged, but Matt Ryan loves, loves to throw to his tight end. Austin Hooper, you know, he's not going to see the success he saw last year in Cleveland. In fact, he's uh, actually Austin Hooper's on my do not draft list, but uh, Hayden Hurst will be a difference maker. 
I just I think I might have just drafted them in the in in the fantasy football fitness league that you put together, which we should talk about too if you have time. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Talk about it. Talk about it. Oh, I well, I was just thrilled that you did that <laughs> for people because I I to me, okay, so Edwin put together a fantasy football fitness league and I I don't know, maybe there's six or seven leagues of 12 teams and we got our draft spots based on exercise that we did and you get your free agent fab money based on weekly exercise that you did and it's just it's a nice way to you know be motivated and to be accountable and while i'm not on facebook that much um i i i think you're starting a nice little community over there and um Maybe we can take it to Discord or something else, you know, that I, that I'm on more readily. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not anti Facebook, but I don't own their stock anymore, so I really don't want to give them too much of my business. So that's I'm, totally <laughs> fair. That's totally fair. <laughs> no, that's that's nice. If, that's nice to hear. It's always good to hear the people who are in the league. First of all, I mean, I appreciate you being in the league and contributing to the league. Um, and it's a free league, obviously. That's not. I don't charge anybody to be mo- to you know join a community of of motivating each other. Um, but we also are doing our best to give back to a community that might need it. People who might not be able to move aren't aren't as able bodied. Um, Jules was also was very generous in that aspect. Um, she she donated uh, some money to to a cause that she believes in that that helps with that specific reason that specific thing. There's some other people who did the same thing. Um, and really, yeah, it's like Jules was saying. It's just a community of people. We hope to to motivate through fantasy football to live a healthy lifestyle, stay away from pills, injections, medications, you know, surgeries, and, and just live a healthier lifestyle around fantasy football. Um, so, yeah, I'm glad it's it. Honestly, it makes me feel really, really good that you brought it up and that you uh, that you're they're talking about it. I think I, I it makes I'm proud. I'm proud that we were able to all do this together because we couldn't do it without people like you. So I appreciate that. Yeah, no, again, thank you so much. I'm glad you did it. I hope it grows next year. And uh, obviously, based on my seven rounds, I'm going to be the reigning champ going into next year. (laughs) Obviously, obviously, (laughs) obviously, Jules. Honestly, I wouldn't put it past you to do that. Um, So what would be, what would be, and hopefully we can get people to stop timing out, by the way. Uh, There was only one timeout, but it was a little odd since this person was like, had 14 tweets in the last <laughs> hour of their timeout. I will not name any. I love that you counted, by the way. I laughed oh, out loud. No. When you- <laughs> I counted. Oh, competitive. I'm like, what are you doing? You've been yeah. on the clock for six hours. Well, you're, you're lucky you weren't in the my freaking division that had two copies of Michael Thomas, who kept oh, getting about that. drafted. Yeah. Otherwise, oh, there's something else going on with like Todd Gurley. Or yes. Something. Then Todd Gurley. Oh, my God. It's been a nightmare. <laughs> I don't know how that happens. Just- I don't because it's me, Jules. Honestly, my I told my wife, she's like, Yeah, it sounds like your luck. Stuff yeah. like that, weird yeah. stuff Does like that happen? always happens to me, which is like <laughs> funny. It's funny. That's why I like I'm so intrigued by you and how confident you are and how good you are at high stakes stuff. Because like I'm the last person you want to own a high stakes league with. <laughs> I'm the last person. Um, but I've had you on on the line here for just about 45 minutes, a little over 45 minutes. Time flies when you're having fun. Yeah, it's been fun. Um, I won't take up too too much more of your time, but I did want to ask what's one Band-Aid of advice here on the Injury Prone Fantasy Football Podcast. We give out Band-Aids of advice. It can be fantasy football related or non-fantasy football related for the listeners out there. What is your Band-Aid of advice? This is my Band-Aid. I've, okay, this is it. I'm going to say 
I'm a little bit older now and I'm not ashamed of my age. I'm 55. I wish when I was younger, especially in my 20s, I wish somebody really would have sat me down and, and talked to me about the importance of, of money. Not just like having money, but, you know, you got to start thinking about your retirement. Now, yes, I'm 55. Yeah. So now I'm thinking like in 20 years, I'm going to, you know, hang up the, not ha- never I'm going to hang up my cleats, but maybe I'll stop working for Quentin. But it just, I think that's just, nobody's talking about that and talking about making really basic, simple investments in, in, maybe you can't afford real estate, but you can afford the stock market. You can afford to put $1,000 or $10,000 in the stock market now. Guess what? That $1,000 and thousand dollars in 10 years, I can make that 20000 You know what I mean? I can mm-hmm. make that. Mm-hmm. Somebody gave me $10,000 at the beginning of the pandemic, I would have given them $15,000 back just based on what I'm doing in the stock market. I just, and it's just, I wish somebody would have taught me sooner because- Financial would, literacy I, maybe, right? Yeah. Is that, yeah. No, I'm in the same boat. That's, that's my man. It's just like, yeah, you're young, but whatever you can do, put some money into the stock market and just forget about it. Don't like, you know, don't do crazy stuff, but just a solid company, S&P 500 index, something. I would just, you will be amazed. You will be so happy. I, and then, and, and I have a 401k and I had one for, for a while. And I remember one of my, um, one of the other assistants at work, um, never, never, never joined the 401k with the company and I'm like oh I, I are you crazy and I every year I I'd say are you crazy are you crazy so like after about five years I'm like oh hey 401k the company matched I just got twenty thousand dollars of free money it's free money and then that twenty thousand dollars in ten years turns into something else it's just I know I'm getting off on a tangent maybe no, it's, no, no. No, it's good. here but honestly when you get to be in your 50s you will be so happy and so proud of yourself also credit cards that's the devil's work Gotta get <laughs> that's it. right absolutely the devil's work Got don't you don't use your fantasy football buy-ins with a credit card don't do that no well I actually do do that and then I pay them off within a month oh, well right, right I like right. to get the um I have a Costco card so I like to get the, the <laughs> rebate you know so i I love that i gotta be crafty everywhere you know (laughs) that's a good word for you i feel like after this conversation that's the word that if somebody was like can you please describe jules in one one word what would it be i would just say you're crafty that's what that's the phrase that you yeah you're crafty in all aspects this so so you heard it here from jules first you get you know it's education so accessible nowadays Google financial literacy, Google's basic stock market tricks, tr- maybe not tricks, but you know, basic stock market strategies. You don't have to go out and take a course on it through through the local community college. Oh, no, just no. just just do some research on your own. Don't spend too much money on, you know, Starbucks coffees, even though I'm guilty of that, and put some money away. I think that's the most practical advice that we've gotten on the on on the podcast. And I and I like it. I really do. I, I appreciate that that uh you're broaching that topic because i think it's super important oh no believe me if i had not been young and dumb i would just be rolling in the dough right now what's what what's the the saying is that youth is wasted on the young or whatever yeah maybe so i did have a fun youth though 
Let me tell you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe that's the give and take. It's a yin and yang of life. Is, is no regret. You can't ever be, you know, old and older and wiser if you were never younger and dumber. That's and true. I feel like I'm currently in my younger and dumber days, so I appreciate getting your advice. <laughs> You're good. You got a good start. You're married, so that's good. That's a good start. That's right. That's right. She keeps me in line. <laughs> well, that's it's been so fun. Jules, honestly, one of my favorite conversations we've had uh, on the podcast so far. Um, I really mean it. It was, it was a good time. We learned a lot about you. We learned a lot about high stakes. We learned a lot about which players to avoid and which ones you hated, which ones you loved. So gosh, this is jam packed with a bunch of information we're going to use. Thank you again for coming on. Um, we're going to have to do this again. Everybody make sure you go. Sorry, say that again. Oh, I'd love to. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Make sure everybody go, you go and follow at red rider. That's R E D R Y D E R. Um, that's Jules's Twitter handle at Red Rider on the Twitters and give her a follow. Let her know whether you enjoyed the podcast or not. But it don't if you didn't enjoy it, just keep it to yourself because I enjoyed it and it was fun for me. So for Jules, for my two dogs sitting at my feet, for my rabbit in the cage who wants to get out now apparently and walk around. Thanks for tuning in. We will catch you next time. Bye.